first of all, thank you, our TPT family. You know, sometimes uh, she hoop. Thank you. <laughs> we are uh, happy to have you on the show. It's been a long time coming. Uh, glad you are part of the team and. Shout out for TPT to, you know, have you part of the family. So we, it's only right for us to have you on the show. Yeah, so, I appreciate it. I'm excited so to be here. here. Yeah. When you first got to the WNBA, who was the first person to bust your ass? Tiffany Hayes. No Tiffany question. Tiffany Hayes just retired. Just retired. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tiffany Yeah, Hayes. it was our, like, you know, the first scrimmages that you have before the real season starts. Yeah. Hit me on the same move, back-to-back possessions. I had to get subbed out immediately. <laughs> it was just like a simple jab, and she was gone. And I just did not understand how fast players are in the W. So it was a big adjustment. Yo, 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 we live on location. We in that ATL, shawty, and we dreaming today, baby. We in town for the WNBA's finals. We got our little sister, a.k.a. sometimes I hoop. We got Miss Haley Jones in the building, Stanford's finest. She balling for the ATL dream. She chilling with the knuckleheads, her big brothers. Y'all tap in. We live on location. Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just interviewed our guy from Santa Cruz, Aaron Gordon, uh-huh. and um, had a great, great interview with AG. But Santa Cruz, tell us about Santa Cruz. Growing up in Santa Cruz. Well, it's not known for basketball at all. It's known <laughs> That's for what he said. yeah. It's known for surfing, farmers markets, and anything like your depiction of California. That's Santa Cruz. So you Cruz. grew up like say by the bell. Oh, not. Uh, mm, I don't about say by the bell, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, I grew up just on the beach, biking uh, to the beach, doing whatever. But Aaron Gordon went to the same high school as me, so that's definitely, crazy. yeah, he's the big time guy. So, soccer, gymnastics, what made basketball stick out more than soccer and gymnastics? Well, actually, it didn't for me. No, I was didn't. always like, I want to play soccer. You got too um, tall? Well, it was more so my mom made the decision. She mm-hmm. was like, actually, Haley, I think you're better at basketball. And so, you know, I'm not one to be <laughs> okay, like, okay. Mom. I was like 15 at the time, so I'm not about to be like, no, mom, I'm not going to do what you say. So she said she thought I was better at basketball. So here I am playing basketball instead of soccer. So you didn't think you was better? You thought you was better at soccer than I you did, were? I you did. I did. But was the thankfully, one, so. she. I was about to say, do you thank yeah. her now? Did, I do. You know? I like, do. Mom, you was right, you know? Yeah, she likes to tell me all the time she was right. So um, she definitely swayed right. me. Oh, always. So, so when did it get to the point where you, you felt like this decision of basketball is the absolute right decision? I think, well, I mean, once you get to high school and you kind of start taking off, I think mm-hmm. that definitely was something for me. But in middle school, I started getting my first offers in like seventh grade. So mm-hmm. that was exciting. But for me, I was to like... college? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> did you play up? What, did, what, what was going on? I mean, on? I played up when I was really young. But, yeah, I guess I was playing on the varsity high school circuit in, like, seventh grade was my first year doing that. Mm-hmm. So you once saying this, like, this ain't different. Like, this is very different, Miss <laughs> Ma'am. Like, she over I here mean, just talking like, yeah, like, I'm, I think you, like, in seventh and eighth grade, playing on the seventh and eighth team getting off it. But, nah. like, you playing varsity, like, mm-hmm. at what point did you take that big leap to be able to – because that's not normal, playing yeah. varsity as a seventh and eighth grade. For, so first did you go to, like, one of those schools It's like – like seven and eight was like magnet no. or like no I just went to the public schools in Santa Cruz and we had a family friend who ran an AAU program out of San Jose so we would drive in the mornings on Sundays and 
all of a sudden I'm working out with the high school girls and I was doing well, I guess. I didn't really think anything of it. Yeah. And then he invited me to play on the circuit that year. So I traveled with them and those were all like big sisters to me. Up. So it was great. Okay, okay. Different, <laughs> but okay. Okay, yeah. You can just say that like it was normal to me. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> it, it felt normal. What was your first offer? Did you get your first college? It was to UC Santa Barbara. Mm, it was my okay. first Santa one. And I was, Remember, we used to go there for the Georgia camp. Oh, Shout yeah. out to UC Santa, Santa Barbara. Barbara. You ever exactly. go to that? I went to the camps when I was younger. Which year? Um, we might have been there. I was real young. I mean, shoot, maybe like 2000, 2009. I was oh, like, man, hey, we was done. Yeah, we was done. Something like that. It was the early, like, probably yeah. like from the... From like 99, Seven? 98, 99, probably no. to like, it was like at least 98, 97, 97, 97 yeah, because I was a junior, 97 to about 2005, mm -hmm. six, we was there every year. Every yeah. summer. And the runs was amazing. Two weeks. Yeah, that's earlier than my time. I wasn't born to 01, so I would have <laughs> not been there. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> so who did you... Um, you like basketball, you like soccer, you like gymnastics. Mm -hmm. Who was it that you seen, female-wise, that you seen was like, man, I want to be like her or I want to yeah. hoop like her? Tamika Catchings was my idol growing Ooh, up. There's, yeah, there's pictures of me in our cul-de-sac. Like yeah, there's pictures of me in the cul-de-sac wearing the entire Fever uniform. Like, yeah. not just jersey. Oh, I had the, the shorts, the whole, the whole situation. Socks pulled up to the knees. I wanted to be just like her. And I think it's just because, like, when you watch her play, you can tell the passion that she has yeah. for basketball. So I was like, I want to be like her. I want to have that tenacity, that drive to be great. Yeah. Have you got to meet her since being in the W? Um, I think I met her like once in college, but I haven't I haven't met like her since. Official. So that's why your yeah, game like is all media. around. Tamika, we gotta make that media. happen. Yeah, please. What? So Nate Smith Player of the Year, McDonald's All American. Mm -hmm. Uh did you pay attention to, to that before you, you had the before your senior year you had the opportunity to, to get there? Did you pay attention to like who was winning the award? Uh, the years before, who was making the McDonald's game the years before? Yeah, I think McDonald's maybe a little bit. Mm -hmm. Naismith, not at all. You like that just won. seems yeah. so far-fetched right, that yeah. when you're in your day-to-day -day life, it's like, I'm not going to be National Player of the Year. Like, of course McDonald's would be cool. But um, I think Naismith is just kind of like this unheard of territory. Yeah. So when I ended up getting it, I was like, me, really? Like, I'm just out here doing my thing on a day-to-day, -day, struggling through classes, and like, <laughs> here I am, they switch of the year. So it's definitely crazy to think about. And once they send you the big trophy and like your name is engraved on it, then I really started looking at all the past winners. And it's crazy to have my name on that with all theirs. Yeah, all them Hall of Famers on yeah, that seriously. list. Yeah, so seriously. McDonald's game, What? how was that to be announced to play in the McDonald's game? And where was your McDonald's game at? Ours was here in Atlanta. We played at State Farm. Wow. Yeah, so it was very full circle. When I okay. got to come, but um, it was crazy because it was they do it like during our lunchtime at school was mm -hmm. when the broadcast was. So they projected it for me during in the cafeteria. My entire school oh, was there, and then they Everybody said like, "Oh, Haley Jones and all, all Americans." So it was it was really crazy to have like be at the cafeteria with all my best friends. So it was really fun. Let me ask you this: like you you be at a school and you know you the Naismith Player of the Year, you a McDonald All American. Was it any boys or the boys team? Like, you was getting all the props. Like, yeah. it, that's kind of different Biggest for... athlete in the school. The female yeah. to get all the props and be the most popular and have all the... Especially when it comes to athletics. Mm -hmm. How was that? Just being in school and you see the varsity boy, boys team over there, you looking at them like, look at them. <laughs> <laughs> look at them I mean, over there. Yeah, I think... <laughs> 
Nah, you're right. I think um, my high school was known for women's sports, really. Like, yeah. there were some men's sports, but, like, our volleyball team won state every year. Okay. Soccer was really good. We're known for women's oh, basketball. Oh, so y'all dominated over So it was kind of, huh? like, the usual for the women to be on this pedestal at my yeah. high school. But definitely dudes are always like, oh, 1v1. Oh, let's just net. And then I'm not really one to do that. But at the end of the day, like, you know, sometimes that just gets to be too much. We're in math class talking about it. So I did end up playing them, whooping them. The whole school wants to come watch. So then it's like, oh, oh no, okay, don't they don't really, Damn. they're not really like that. So they had to stop talking Damn. about it. Yeah. <laughs> Could it have been anybody else but Stanford? Like, could anybody else almost got you? Yeah, well, I never really had a dream school. Stanford kind of came up from the rear for me. I originally wanted to leave the Bay Area and go somewhere else, but it's really hard to pass up a Stanford degree, especially being a female athlete, understanding that, you know, I'm going to have to have a career beyond my playing career. Mm -hmm. So Stanford's hard to pass up. And, I mean, the legacy there and the idea of getting to bring back a national championship after 30-odd years or whatever. Yeah. And, I mean, my grandparents had season tickets. All of our family friends got to come, so it was kind of the best of both worlds but Was there. it a school that you almost went to that was just last second, like, nah, I'm going to choose that. Yeah, now. yeah. It was, was really that? hard for me. It kind of came down. I took five official visits. I took all five, and I, I was stressed too. out the whole time. Like, I was <laughs> literally, everybody else in my class had signed. I was the last person to sign. Uh. And so it was down to South Carolina, Connecticut, uh, Oregon, and Notre Dame. Mm. And so it was really came down to South Carolina, Connecticut, and Stanford. But after conversations with my family, Stanford ended up being the best one. Mm. I know Gino was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> How was it when you got to campus? Was it like, a you know, this is your first time being on your own, like living on your own from your family? How was that adjustment for you? I feel like it wasn't that big of a difference just because with travel ball, I'd been traveling by myself for so long mm. that it's it just felt like a long summer camp at the beginning. And if I really needed anything, I could get home. It was an hour drive. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, Stanford's really a different breed because, like, you show up, you're in McDonald's All-American, they split of the year, you're like, all right, I'm top dog. You pull up, there's Olympians in my dorm, there's people who are yeah. working to solve cancer, and they have, like, these all these different nonprofits, so you're really just one of the rest. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. So wait, you talking about like as a freshman, you slide through, you got Olympians yeah. and people doing nonprofits like like it was that type of brilliance oh, just right yeah. there. Like like it's nothing too. <laughs> like, so it's the, it's, the, it's like, crazy. You know, you hear Stanford, you think uh, just geniuses mm -hmm. and everybody is on such a high level, you know, in school and all this stuff. Yeah. Is it a like a standard like around Stanford that you yeah. got to hold for sure to be? For sure. Going yeah. to Stanford? There's definitely a level of excellence that's required at yeah. Stanford. Like in my freshman dorm, you have like your dorm meetings, your freshman year, whatever. Our first meeting, these people were like fangirling. They're like, oh my gosh, you're on the basketball team, all this different stuff. So then I'm asking them, oh, what do you do? This guy's like, oh, I'm about to sell my tech to Google for a bajillion dollars. <laughs> but I want to come to a game. And I'm like, sir, let me get in your company. Like, this, you're the big deal here. Yeah. Or like, I have my first lift at Stanford and Simone Manuel and Katie Ledecky are like right next to me. And I'm like, oh my God, can I have your autograph? But you know, you have to play it cool because you're athletes together now. Yeah. So it's really just a different level of excellence at Stanford. You were in high school and you know, after you play varsity for so long, it's kind of like, coach really don't be fucking with you like that. Mm -hmm. You kind of run stuff, you the, you star player. But you got one of the toughest coaches in college history mm -hmm. to be your coach. How was it to adjust to her and not the favorite player no more. She ain't scared to say what up to you or, yeah. or get on you. But you know it comes from a loving place. But how was it the adjustment of the coaching? 
Yeah, Tara's a hard coach to play yeah. for. Um, but I think, for me, I was never really the favorite. My mom was my coach growing up. I could, I think I was the least favorite. You could ask <laughs> any of my friends on that team. Like, <laughs> Haley was always getting everything. But I think with Tara, it's like she holds you to such a high standard because, like, she's had all these amazing players come through. With the Guma case, Candace Wiggins, the mm-hmm. list just goes on. So, you know, it's not like you're going to say anything back. She obviously knows what she's doing. So you really just got to take it on the chin and keep pushing. Oh, straight up. How was it for you as a freshman? You get to school, you know what I'm saying? You doing well, then you then you have the knee injury. Mm-hmm. But the compound that COVID comes, like how yeah. was that? I, I'm always interested to hear about the athletes that, you know, you're living through that COVID time. And like you're in the middle of like, you trying to start out your career and yeah. get where you're going and then, some never before seen shit in the world happened. Like, how did you get through, you know, deal with everything that happened from your knee injury, mm-hmm. then COVID happening? Yeah, it was horrible. Like, <laughs> I can't even imagine. <laughs> I like, would not you do that again. You need to go to therapy and rehab, oh, and you can't God. go see no damn it was, body. <laughs> it was horrible. So, like, Stanford, you got kicked off campus. You had to go home. Mm. So, I wasn't able to do my physical therapy with the Stanford people anymore. Right. I had to find people back in Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And so Stanford also had like really intense COVID regulations. So I would only get to see my PT at Stanford maybe once every two, three weeks. Mm-hmm. So I'd be doing everything at home. We would Zoom with my PTs at home. And then when it came to basketball, Damn. everybody else was going back for the summer period. Stanford was like, nope, not for summer. We'll come back for fall. All of a sudden, it's September. We're like halfway through the fall quarter. We're still not back. So it was hard putting that together with the knee injury. I don't know what I'm pushing towards. Like, there's not a date where I'm like, oh, I need to be ready by this time. Right. I'm just working out with no end in sight. Like, this sucks. But how hard was it to, you know, physical therapy, we'd have been injured, know that that's really a hands-on thing for your therapist. Yeah. Like, how difficult was that for you to do through Zoom where, you know, like, they can't push you a little harder and try yeah. and, like, how was that for you? Did that add more time to the rehab? I'm not sure if it added more time. So I got to be hands-on in Santa Cruz, but for the big cr- progressions, I remember I went to my local high school and I had, like, a hotspot on my phone and I hooked up my laptop on Zoom for my running progression. Mm. And so I'd put it on the, you know, end zone or whatever. And I would just be like, okay, guys, here I go. And I'd run 100 yards. <laughs> I'd jog back and I'd be like, how'd it look? They said, first 10 yards look great. How'd the rest feel? Because they don't see me. I'm just like slowly <laughs> right, running away from like them. <laughs> yeah, then we try to do a sideways view and I'm just sprinting past the screen for like two seconds. So it was really interesting trying to like be honest and straightforward because obviously I'm trying to get back as fast as possible, yeah. but I don't want to push myself too fast. So it was a really hard balance to strike. Sophomore year. What clicked that season for y'all to win the national championship? Cause coming off COVID, it, and yeah. all that. it came together. Y'all, y'all look great. Y'all look like y'all love playing with each other. Y'all played as a team. It really didn't matter who scored the points mm-hmm. or however, and y'all won a national championship. What clicked, especially a, a year off of coming off that? Yeah, it really was. During COVID, Stanford didn't allow their athletes to be on campus. So other schools were on campus, got to go back to their separate dorms, whatever. Us at Stanford, we went on the road for probably 12 weeks or so. We lived out of suitcases, hotel to hotel. We only practiced at Stanford later on as the season. We got tested, I want to say, nine times a week at one point in time. Like, nosebleeds during practice. It was horrible. So by the time it got to the tournament... We were so tight-knit. We were like trauma-bonded, basically. (laughs) And so when other teams got to the tournament and they're seeing each other 24-7, it wasn't, there was a lot of friction. Teams weren't getting along as they did throughout the season, but 
we were used to it. We played ping pong. We played board games every day together. Yeah. So I think we just had this added wow. level of chemistry that, you know, added us up in winning the national championship. How was it for you, like, after, like you say, you're a freshman, you played well, but then, you you know, the knee injury, then COVID happens, and you guys go through all of the stuff you just talked about. Like, how was it when it came, when it became tournament time? Like, when it's like, like you said, everybody you see in the friction, but then, like, when y'all get to the final four, like, what is that like in your mind? Like being injured last year, mm-hmm. COVID, and then not having a return point or a date, and now we've overcome all of that, and now we're at the Final Four with a chance to do something that this school hasn't done in a long time. Like, how was that for you and your teammates? Yeah, I think it was hard not to let all of that get to us mm-hmm. because there's a difference between, you know, like, okay, don't be nervous for the game, but you also need that level of nerves to help you rise to the occasion yeah. to play where you usually play at. So I remember we had conversations um, with our staff, but really as a team just talking about, like, we don't need you to have any more energy than you usually do. We want to play how we usually do. So if that's a 7 out of 10 for you energy, if that's a 10 out of 10, hit your point and don't go above or below that. So just having those conversations where it's, understanding the moment but not making it too big so that we're still performing at that level that we've been at all year. Would you say that winning, you know, not only winning the Final Four, well, winning the National Championship, but being named most outstanding player, mm-hmm. that added a lot of pressure for you individually. What, what, was, what was that like for you to be, once again, you went through a knee injury, COVID mm-hmm. and all this, you overcome all of these things, and you're not only winning the National Championship, you the you the shit. You the player that you the yeah. most outstanding <laughs> player. Like, what, what's that like then? Like you yeah. say, in women's sports, it's not like how it is for men. Like, if I do what you did, I'm out. Yeah. I'm yeah. gone after that, right? Mm-hmm. That's just the reality. Basically, what we do, if we go to the Final Four and become the most, most, most outstanding players, leave. Like, how is that for you to know that you got to come back and, like you say, it's all of this excellence at Stanford, mm-hmm. but now you got – you just set a higher bar for you to live up to. How was that for you mentally? Yeah, I mean, for sure. If y'all would have – you're out. I mean – Out of there. I wrote a final <laughs> paper the next day. We had finals that week. See what like, I'm saying? <laughs> we're it's right no back into way. the grind. I don't care what's going on. If we leave it or not, a final paper is the last thing that's yeah. happening the following day after winning most outstanding play. <laughs> right yeah. or wrong. That shit ain't happening, bro. We're going to school the next two weeks. I mean, both years we were in the Final Four, it was finals week, so we were doing papers, the whole team. Hey, good on you, boy. You you. special. Did we want to do it? No. Ain't no damn way. Yeah. Hey, professor, you ain't see what the fuck just happened. I'll holler at you, man. You better extend that thing. You ain't in there for me for a minute. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, winning it and going back, it's definitely, it grounds you. Like, I'm really like, yeah, sure, I'm me, whatever, I'm winning this, but also like, I gotta go back to school, I'm biking around Stanford, like, I'm doing my thing, whatever. And and that paper at Stanford wasn't no bullshit. Let me tell you, there ain't no BS in that, you gotta do it. (laughs) So, I think it was really easy to come back down to earth after that, honestly. And like, when you win an Addy, when you win MOP, it doesn't really feel real. So I feel like it didn't really kick in until like, the interviews afterwards, everybody's asking me about it. It really felt surreal for quite a long time, so. I think, you know, the MOP, whatever, just added motivation where I'm like, okay, next year now I want to do this. I was first team all Pac-12, now I want to go for player of the year. Mm-hmm. Now I want to do this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it helped me just kind of set more goals for the next season. Winning so early and then you have to play another two years, is it mentally draining? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you play your freshman year and I know COVID, but you win a championship your sophomore year, you go play South Carolina your junior year and then – your senior year, you lose second round. Mm-hmm. Is it 
it's not really the physical, like y'all putting in all the work y'all supposed yeah. to put in to go to Final Four year after year. Mm -hmm. But mentally, people don't know how hard it is to kind of stay focused and stay locked in yeah. to really win this game and be on the top of your game every round. Because once you win the championship, the spotlight on you. Oh, for sure. You got a target on your back, like, all summer long. <laughs> but I think after you win, it, for us, and for my class specifically, us happening, it being our sophomore year, it was just motivation to win the next the, the rest of the year. So, mm -hmm. like, next year, getting to the Final Four, like, we needed to get there. There was no other option because right. with COVID ending our freshman season, we didn't know how a real season ended without winning a natty. So, it's like, yeah. how else do you do it? So, I think that mental aspect of, like, the motivation was there, but then it's also, like, you're putting too much pressure on yourself. You're putting... <laughs> all these expectations on your back to achieve what you did. Mm. And it's it's really hard to win a natty. It's yeah. really hard. How is it to have a teammate that can dunk? Oh, my God, it's so sick. But honestly, <laughs> at the, like, halfway through the season, you're like, okay, we get it, you dunk. Like, there's no big deal about it. Like, every warm-up, the fans go crazy, and then she's trying to dunk at practice, and we're like, girl, if you don't just make a layup, like, Ty's going to make us run if you miss. I'm yeah. not doing this. When you first seen it, how amazed was you? Well, yeah. Actually, female dunk on the goal. This would have... Easy, the too. Guys be it's light. Well, I mean... I've known Fran since I was before we went to Stanford. Like yeah. we played on a USA team together in high okay. school. So I got to see her dunk back then. Mm. Yeah. But seeing it kind of become what it did was really cool to be her teammate during that. In the future, do you feel that how many years you feel like women should have to go to college before they can turn pro? Do you feel like it's should two years, years, three bro. years? Yeah. Uh guys can do one and done. Do you feel like that? Because I feel like sometimes like you play four years and it just be so much, it's time to, when you feel like you know you posed a win a year or two ago, it's mm -hmm. like, what I'm doing here? Yeah. You know? I, I think it's hard to have an answer for that because on one hand, yeah, I think as the game evolves and women are getting so much better at such a younger age, they for sure could go to the league after one, maybe two years. But I think it's also different for female athletes because you have to think about the reality of what the pay differential is right now. Yeah. So sure. they need that scholarship. I mean, they, they, the uh, degree, the degree helps you a lot. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, part of the reason I went to Stanford was because of that, to set myself up for that, you know, 20, 40 years after my career is done, because not everybody gets to have a Sue Bird 20 year career. Yeah, so. so you never really know what's going to happen with that. There could yeah. be injuries. There could be just, you know, there's only 144 spots in the league right now. Yeah. Who knows if you're going to make that year in and year out. Yeah. So I think when it comes to female athletes, I think there should definitely be an option as a win for men. Like, sure, you could go after one or two, but I don't think it's going to become the normal for quite some time until a lot of things change in terms of. To the money. Gets yeah, up there. money in the league, spots in the league, yeah. um, just a lot of different things in terms yeah. of that. Would you win in the natty? Being the most outstanding player and then NIL hit. Mm -hmm. Like, how was that for you? I, obviously, you family, we've seen, you you benefited mm -hmm. greatly from that. Like, how was that for you? And how did you, like, navigate the newness of it and how to handle it? I mean, from the looks of it, you made out well mm -hmm. and benefited from it in a good way. But, like, when it happened, what was that for you? Because it was so new. Nobody knew what was going on. How did you go about attacking it? And, and just, like, how did you feel when you heard, like, oh, shit, we can make money? Like, yeah. And then, like, <laughs> when you really started to begin making money, like, you doing endorsements? Like, how was that for you, like, everything being so new? And, I mean, it, it for you, it came at the absolute best time yeah. ever coming off the national chip and most outstanding player 
And so how was that for you? Yeah, I think when it first came out, it was like, okay, shoot, we can make money. How am I going to go about this? Right. But then taking a step back, there weren't a lot of regulations around it. And also, like, these companies are just kind of throwing these quick cash grab deals at you, these one-offs. And that wasn't really what I was interested in doing. So I looked into finding an agency, signing with them first, and really looking into an agency that would align with my goals on the court, but also off the court, and thinking about my retirement and signing these longevity deals. And so signing with an agency, talking to them about what I want to do, how I really want to like build out my brand, what I want to stand for. A big thing for me is like being authentic. One, because I feel like people can see through you when you're not, but also I'm a horrible liar. Like I ramble, I sweat, I get nervous. So I'm like, I need my audience to understand that I'm only going to push things that I really believe in, products that I use. So once I found the agency I wanted to work with, it was smooth sailing. Um, <laughs> Who do I see? With PRP. Shout out Reese. You know what I'm saying? Shout out Reese. Yes. Same agent that I'm with. You know, Shag. He got some heavy hitters. You know, little sis under the umbrella. You smell me. They're the best. So I think once I found them, I really got to figure, you know, I want to sign not just a quick cash grab. I want to work with a company where I'm really a partner. I'm not just kind of like a face. So signing five-year deals that are now still with me in my WNBA career are really exciting. What made you want to do the podcast your last year of college? Like, what was intriguing for you to do? Sometimes I hoop. If y'all ain't checked it <laughs> out, go plague. ahead and check it out right now to <laughs> the Players' Tribune. Host with the mostest right here. The hostess with the mostest. You feel me? Y'all go check it out, subscribe, and do all of that. Follow. Sometimes she who? Haley Jones, but go ahead. No, I appreciate it. A lot of plugs. A lot of plugs. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I think the podcast was a really exciting opportunity when the Players' Tribune brought it to me. I think um, for me, what was really special is like, when I watch players and the players that I gravitate towards, it's because I know their story. I know mm -hmm. about them. And so I think what was lacking a lot is like sharing these female stories, specifically mm -hmm. in women's college basketball. Mm -hmm. So being able to bring some of my best friends on and some people who may not have the biggest platforms and just talk to them, let them share their story, pieces that fans may not always know. Yeah. Um, and even for myself, now I get to know some of these people. Now I look out for them and whatnot. I think it's really special, but also like... Growing up, for female athletes, there wasn't always that person to strive towards. I think a lot of times it was women's basketball players talking about, you know, the guy that they wanted to be, but yeah. not that woman. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so for me, a big thing that I've loved to do with NIL and now with endorsements being a pro, but also with Sometimes I Hoop, is being that represent representation that I didn't have when I was growing up. So showing mm -hmm. that, you know, you can be an athlete, but you can also be a scholar and you can have your own businesses and do a podcast, whatever you want to do and just make it work for you and what you want it to be. So you two years in now, how does it feel to be two years into your podcast and uh, where you feel like you're at in it? You feel like this is something you love that you yeah. continue to do in the future? You yeah. You feel like you're learning a lot from it? I'm definitely learning a lot. I've definitely got a lot of feedback and constructive criticism throughout it, which is yeah. great because I just want to make it better. But I think... I've definitely grown in terms of like, you guys know, like as you get better, it's easier to carry a conversation and not yeah. make it feel like an interview. Yeah. I don't want to just listen to somebody berate someone with questions for an right. hour. Like that's yeah. boring. I'm here to not only listen to your guests, but with every guest that you have, I feel like you give different snippets of yourself. So yeah. I think I've grown in that term of just like being more conversational, giving things of myself while also focusing around each guest. So I like to say this because 
we from day one we've interviewed WNBA players and, and women athletes and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Basically, women basketball players because that's what we do. But being able to listen to you being an actual female, like younger, more close with the people, like in college, like I feel like you're doing. It's a parallel of what we do, mm -hmm. like how we, like you said, you we bring out all of those different stories with with our counterparts, with our peers, the things that we know. You being an actual female athlete who was just in college, who's fresh, and you know a lot of these people, like you bring to the table that same exact thing with these women, the young mm -hmm. women that everybody don't get to know about. Because yeah. like you say, you play USA with this person, or you play the same things we did. You cross paths with them, so you know different stories that nobody could ever ask mm -hmm. because you are with them. And that, that's the only way we know the stories we know and we get the type of convos that we get. And it's less like a question, 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 yeah. because you know them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you get your little information, but like that's just, we don't really need that when mm -hmm. you know somebody. And that's what makes it intriguing and good because a random reporter could come and ask and Google some questions and ask them like, when you bring that authenticity of some of a story that no one else would know because mm -hmm. no one else would even know to ask it because they don't know it. You were there. You know this intimately because you know it. And then it's the whole conversation around it is different. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I really enjoy getting to hear about from a female standpoint where because we ask it from our standpoint, but like when you when I've seen some of your clips and your comments and you know the different stuff, that's what I enjoy about it. Yeah. No, I think also what you touched on about just like having athlete athlete conversations. Mm -hmm. Like when a reporter asks you a question, sometimes you could give a really just like intimate answer about what you were thinking through the game. And then like, okay, cool. Next question. Cause they're yes. just going through a bullet point list. But as an athlete, you can really relate to those experiences that you're having. And so I feel like it gives you in different in to really have those like, you know, vulnerable conversations about the things that we go through that not a lot of people can understand. So I think it's special to have that athlete connection. This is a two-part question. Who is your most favorite interview that you've done so far? And who is your dream interview that you want to do in the future? Oh, gosh. Um, I think my favorite interview I've done to Natasha Cloud okay. was such a great she episode. Dope. We had to cut it down a lot because we talked for like two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. She's just amazing. And then I think another one that I really enjoyed was Anissa Mora, who's now at LSU, who transferred. Mm -hmm. It was really cool just because I didn't DePaul. know her. Okay. Yeah, she's at DePaul. Yeah, she's a beast. She yeah. yeah, so I think really getting to pick her brain about why she went to DePaul, how it was being such a beast, and then now going to, you know, the reigning national champions of LSU, just yeah. really picking her brain about that, um, I think was really exciting. If I had a dream podcast, guess, like, basketball-wise or just, like, dream in well, general? Just, just whoever you want to interview. What's your dream to bring on your show? Okay. <laughs> basketball-wise, I would say my more. Okay, um, everybody wants you right Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, we do like a joint, a joint pod. Yeah, <laughs> we need you together. Knuckleheads want you to come through, and sometimes she who needs you yeah. to come through. Maya Moore, you a Jordan brand member. Oh, yeah. Rock with us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think Maya Moore would be great just for her basketball prowess, obviously, but also just like what she's doing off the court nowadays. Yeah. I think it would be amazing to pick her brain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so that's mine. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad at that at all. I would definitely like to get Maya Moore up here. Mm -hmm. Tell me this: like being in the position you in, like what have you learned? Like, like I could say when we first started, 
And like you say, a lot of the, you know, the criticism mm -hmm. or the mm -hmm. constructive criticism, whatever, we social media in it. So we yeah. know, we see when we post a clip, like I feel like I got better from looking at the comments and they like, shut the fuck up, Q, let them get their <laughs> shit off. You talking over there, you ain't even letting, like, I'm serious, like sometimes yeah. when you first see, you like, man, fuck you, you don't know what you're talking <laughs> about, right? But then it's like, if you just take it for what it is, it's like, yeah. maybe you do need to shut the fuck up a little bit and just like, so I feel like, have you had those moments in the pod and like, have you grown and gotten better from yeah. some of the things that you, some people who could be being a little, whatever, little, little going hard, For but sure. like you did get better from those comments. Yeah, I think looking at comments on social media can definitely be a slippery slope. <laughs> That's a good way to put sure, it, a slippery sure. slope. Let's not go too hard, but like, let's, yeah. you know, let's ground myself exactly. a little bit. You ain't exactly. all that, boy. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I've definitely learned from comments on social media talking about, I think for me, really understanding what they want to hear from guests. Yeah talking about, oh, I would love to know this when you talk to the next guest. Oh, I want you to ask about these different types of things. But I think a lot of it is I had to learn to like listen to the episodes because I hate hearing myself talk. And so when I first listened to the first episode that we did, that was with Aaliyah, I was like, oh, dear God, turn this off. Like, we need to take this off the internet. But <laughs> listening to it, I got to learn a lot about my tendencies, different mm -hmm. words that I harp on. Or I think at Crutch the beginning. Words. Oh yeah, for sure. Listen. Yes, like you really pick <laughs> up. I'm you like, saying that? you be crazy. Yes. Like, stop saying that shit. Stop yeah. not saying no more this episode. You just yes. said it like six more times. Yeah. Like, like when you're talking, it's just it flows so naturally, and then you listen to yourself, and it's like, oh, I said like a thousand times, like, or um, or most... I think, and so it's really hard as you're going through it, like not to say um, those things. But I think listening to the episodes, I've really started to learn what my tendencies are and not, I think at the beginning, I repeated questions back or like repeated answers back, but was really moving on to the next thing. Haley, you don't need to harp on every answer that they mm, give. One of my things is that I would ask a two minute question uh -huh. to where the motherfucking guests wouldn't even remember the whole part of the question. <laughs> you just kept rambling I, I'm talking with too much. Like, yeah. they'd be like, hold on, can you repeat yourself? <laughs> <laughs> or he'd tell me afterwards, like, bro, you said that shit, you was talking, and I forgot what the fuck the question was. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck the guests can remember. Like, you started talking, and you rounded this shit, you went here and yeah. there and all over the place, and then was just looking at them, they was looking at you like, what do I say? Yeah, somebody need to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You remember telling me that sometimes? I that. <laughs> like, you, I'm serious, like, people think that doing this is just like, oh, you just roll out and it's just, nah, no, nah, no. this is not all easy. And, and I, hate, I hate awkward moments. I hate when a, a guest answer the question, then it just be that, that the solid. He hates short right? answers. Like, mm -hmm. Damn, I can't. He be the lay his soul on the line, and they be like, "Yes," and he like, "Yeah, yeah." Damn, yes. you ain't elaborated <laughs> nothing. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> no, I think it's hard to like phrase questions when yeah. I'm just thinking of something. I'm like, "Oh, I want to know," but then if you phrase it to them as a yes, no, you, they're gonna take that yes, no every single time. Uh, yeah. I feel like definitely within your first few questions with a guest, you know how the podcast episode is yeah, gonna go. Yeah, You're like, okay. I need to really give some more answers to this. I need to play off them more. But then some guests, you they ask a question it. and they start talking. You're yeah. like, oh, okay, now I need to reel it in. Like, this okay. Easy. This is yeah. easy. Right some here. people got way <laughs> a lot and some people on the other Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's really interesting to figure out what everybody's personality is as soon as that, as soon as you start the episode. Women's college basketball last season tournament was crazy. Crazy. Like, yeah. it was crazy. Very entertaining. This year, mm -hmm. we got a couple of new players in there. Juju is mm -hmm. averaging 30. Yeah. Cole. You know, uh, yeah. Miss Clark is Cole. doing that thing. LSU didn't add. But we had upsets. Uh -huh. Teams that's 
at the top than get got upset. What's your who do you think gonna win this year? Who is your sleeper team? Oh, who do you think gonna win this year? Okay. And um, who is your favorite freshman that's playing? Okay, so biased and unbiased, Juju's my favorite freshman. Thank I got you. to host her on her Stanford visit, yeah. and so I feel like I got to know her oh, really like well. <laughs> oh yeah, she's amazing, and she's like as amazing baller. as she is in basketball. She's even better as a person. Yeah. So that's dope. I'm that's always dope. rooting for Juju. She's amazing, but I think. Yeah, just like women's basketball has grown so yeah. much where it used to be the same teams at the top every yeah. single year. Yeah. So I feel like people weren't watching because it's like, oh, I know who's going to win. It's the Tennessees, it's the Yukons, it's Stanford's. Yeah. And so now there are so many great Hoopers out there that they're not all funneling to those same big time mm. schools. Yeah. They want to go and create their own path. Yeah. And so, you know, when you start the year with LSU losing to Colorado, mm -hmm. yeah. I knew how good Colorado was being the Pac-12. I yeah. knew they were going to give them a game. And so I think, I don't know who's going to win. I feel like, I don't know, like, LSU is tough. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's going to be teams that really get it together throughout the season. Like, right now, I feel like Texas is really coming along. They mm -hmm. just kind of whooped on UConn at home, which yeah. is big. I think NC State was unranked to start the year, and now they're, like, top five. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of sleeper teams that need time to figure it out as the season goes on. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of Do you of feel options. like this is going to be one of the best – women's tournaments this, this 100%. year. 100%. That's what I was going to say. Tell me, it's like, how proud are you and how happy are you to see the women's game growing in the way it is? Like, because I feel like right now it's probably at like the highest point it's ever been. Oh, like with sure. attention, with talent, mm -hmm. eyes, viewership, games being prevalent on national and local mm -hmm. TV. And then just like, the fans really getting behind it, both men and women. I feel yeah. like it's at the highest point that it's ever been probably. How do you feel watching that and being a part of that? Yeah, it's for sure at the highest point right now. I think being able to be someone who is just like a part of it and now watching it, it is like I'm immensely proud to see how far it's come. I think. You still a part of it? You oh, yeah, your show I'm a part of you, it for you sure. You showcasing sure. you, you champion yeah, like in the situation. Yeah, everything. I think. In terms of viewership, it's like once you give us the platform, not only for women's basketball, but you see it with NWSL, the new pro volleyball league coming out. Once you give women athletes the platform, they just take it and run with it. And you see these skyrocketing numbers year in and year out. Yeah. So I think it's really special to see how much talent there is, the storylines that you're following with the transfer portals. And then you see these huge lucrative NIL deals being signed. And so you want to follow those players. But I think just the talent is so insane right now. Yeah. Like you have yeah. freshmen dropping 30, averaging 30. You have mm -hmm. just all these different players coming back this year. And I feel like everybody's gotten so much better. The level only gets higher with each year. You see teams like South Carolina, and they lose all those seniors last year. And they're like, oh, this is an off year, whatever. They're in the bottom of the top 25. And here they are undefeated, whooping on all these top 10 teams, oh, like night in and night out. Yeah. So I think you can't really sleep on anybody this year, but it's just so amazing to have been a part of college basketball and now be in the league and just see how it continues to grow and like that next generation of trailblazers is really coming through. Who are uh, some of the, the college women that you look forward to trying to interview or, or want to interview this uh, season for this season though yeah um <laughs> i think definitely juju talking to her just about what it's like being yeah. a freshman right now doing what she's doing is yeah. insane i think somebody who people kind of sleep on who's now getting a lot more recognition is georgia amore on virginia tech mm -hmm. she's a killer mm -hmm. and like you saw in the final four last year how she just started to go crazy yeah so i think people like that somebody like sanaya rivers who's the number one player in her class 
started South Carolina, now at NC State, NC making State, a name for herself yeah. all over again. I think people like that would be really um, interesting to interview. Tell me about your, you know, you and Leah Boston, our best besties and DFS. <laughs> like, how was that for you to have her on the pod and for her to be part of your, that was your first one, right? Yeah, it was the first episode. Like, talk about how you guys got so tight and where that relationship came from. Yeah, well, we played at USA Basketball together. Um, I want to say U17 was the first year we were on a team together. Um, it really just sparked out of nowhere. Just like, lit. it was Aaliyah, Fran, and myself were just, you didn't see the three of us, like, not together. You saw one, the other two were trailing behind. And so it was just this immediate friendship. But I think as we started to go through McDonald's games and kind of College, being a part of, like, yeah. you know, other, just like the viewership growing, we got to relate to one another really well. And so as we get through college and COVID happens, you kind of, I think our relationship really growed because we were going through just a lot of the same things, same things. like the same struggles during COVID. Um, when we ended up meeting in the final four, just like having those moments, getting to hug it out, all these different things. I think that we could really relate to one another through our struggles and through our ups and downs. So it's a really special friendship. Well, let's talk about the draft. By the way, you look beautiful at the draft. Thank you. You, you Thanks. did your thing at the draft. How was your draft experience? And outside of yourself, who would you give best dressed or best looking yeah. at the draft? Outside of myself, uh, <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. I just remember when I walked down from my room yeah. and I had my camcorder on video. Yeah, day. I saw that. You I had the, you oh, had the old yeah, school. I had it with you me all, all the time. The it was like I walked downstairs and I was just like, oh, my God, everybody's a supermodel. Like, everybody looks so pretty. Nice, yeah. And it was just really cool. I think Brie Beal had, a, had, like, a hot pink power suit, which was mm -hmm. great. And then Aaliyah was wearing white. I think Zaya's dress was show-stopping. Yeah. Um, but I think everybody really showed out. And it's so exciting because we don't always get to show ourselves in that light, like yeah. dressing up, having a full face of makeup. So that was really fun. But the draft is really crazy. Like, it's a whirlwind. You start the Empire State Building. You're getting dressed. I was at the Players Tribune. We took the subway. We yeah. went to get pizza. Mm -hmm. It was just a long day. Yeah, but see peace. Oh yeah, I think when I my name got called that I was drafted, I definitely blacked out. Like I could not tell you what happened from when my name was called, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm being interviewed by in Holly, and then I'm in the back of the rooms being interviewed yeah. for three hours. Like I don't. Apparently, I hugged the commissioner. I don't remember. <laughs> Apparently. I, yeah, like, I thought I was going to trip and fall on the steps. Yeah. I was wearing these five-inch heels. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so you, when you get drafted, you the sixth pick, and, and you go to a team that has, like, one of my favorite teams to watch have so much talent. Mm -hmm. You know, Miss Howard, you know, Miss Grace, Miss Parker. And y'all make some noise this year by making the playoffs and, and, and getting in there just to get in the visual of mm -hmm. the playoffs. As a whole, as a team, how did you feel this season went? I think it went. I think it went really well. I think Atlanta, in general, the dream has been rebranding in the past few years from what it used to be mm -hmm. with Tanisha and Dan kind of at the helm now. I was really excited to get to come here and be a part of that rebrand. Mm -hmm. And it's also such a young core. Like, I mean, Cheyenne and Alicia—they were first-year all-stars this year. Ryan mm -hmm. was obviously amazing in her rookie season, mm -hmm. rookie of the year, all that stuff. But being a part of this young core and kind of buying into everything that Tanisha's saying, her just recently retiring in 2019, yeah. I think it's a really special dynamic that we have. And so for us to be able to make the playoffs, I think the first time since 2019 for the Dream, yeah. it's been like four or five years. For us to be able to do that in my rookie season, I think it's just kind of springboarding us into next year with all of the new goals that we now have. How is it for you, you know, and other rookies, you could tell me, just people on the, in, the, in the W in general, like, 
for us, it's the outside looking in. We see all of these great players that we watched, you know, the last season in college get drafted, whatever round they are. Then we see the cuts come out. Like, how was that for you? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, when you were, you just drafted, you're a rookie. Like, is that in your mind? Like, look, people getting cut around here. Yeah. This ain't sweet. Like, you know, when we get picked in the first round, it's like, <laughs> we here for four oh, yeah, years. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, how was that? For y'all within the W, especially as a, you know, now you're a former rookie, but coming yeah. in, like, you don't have that same, like, There's in no your mental net. where it's like, it's good. Like, you got to, like, how was that, like, your sense of awareness all year? You like, you got to be on, right? Let me tell you, stressed. Oh, my God. I was breaking out, pimples everywhere. Like, I was stressed <laughs> out because I'm like, oh, my God. I'm out of college. There's no safety net. Like, I need a job. I'm about to have no income. Like, yeah. I need this. And my teammates know I was stressed out. Like, I remember I got called into a meeting with Dan and Tanisha. And I was like, is this where I get cut? Like, <laughs> did I not make the team? Oh, my God. But it was to say I made it. Thank God. But, like, it's really stressful. And you see every day there's, like, a there's a website that you follow. It's called, like, Across the Timeline or something. And every day I got an update. Oh, this person's waved. This person's waved. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, what? I'm seeing that. It like, was, like, shocking to, see. to us yeah. to see. Yeah. Like, it's these crazy. are good players. And then not only you hear the fallout mm -hmm. afterwards, like, man, hell no, nah, we need – Y'all need, you know what I'm saying? Everybody yeah. coming out then, not even just the players. You hear like media people like, this ain't cool. Like, you yeah. hear Holly Rose, see her doing reports saying the yeah. talent is like, we need to do this and we need more support. And like, it's like, damn, I don't even know how to like to see that. Like, cause in the, it just doesn't happen for us. And to see like yeah. a first round pick be cut is like crazy to me. It's, it's really crazy to think about. I mean, you have like previous number one draft picks who aren't even in the league right now. Mm -hmm. I know Crystal Dangerfield, she won rookie of the year one year. And then all of a sudden she's off a team. She's mm -hmm. looking, getting traded around, whatever. It's just a crazy business to be a part of. But then when you think about first round draft picks being cut and this and that, then people are like, oh, she should have made the team. But then it's like, well, who are you going to cut? Like, yeah. you have All-Stars, Olympians, previous mm -hmm. All-Americans, all these amazing players on this roster. I'm at these training camps, like, who are you going to cut? It yeah. is crazy to think we about the level of talent. Let, let me ask you this. You're in the W right now where the times are changing a little bit. You're fortunate enough that you're here right now. Mm -hmm. You're not, you know, like, previous people would be going overseas trying to figure something out, like, you're fortunate enough to have, you know, some type of whatever you got going mm -hmm. on. I don't know, but you got whatever you got that you can be here. You're at home, stateside. You get to do whatever you're doing, work out, still try and be ready. But, like, you have something that's being able to maintain mm -hmm. you. Otherwise, I would have to assume you would be going overseas, too. So yeah. how is it for you and, and how happy are you to be for times to be changing to where you can still – in the WNBA offseason, you can stay here. You have sometimes I hoop. I don't know what else you got going, but you got things that can sustain you mm -hmm. to where you don't have to go abroad and be a part of some of the things that could happen. We've seen unfortunate things. We've heard crazy yeah. stories. I've, I've, we've interviewed a lot of different women that had, like, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi. They dude was a damn yeah, spy. Sure. He was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, so, like, it could be anything that happened, but, like, how much comfort do you have knowing that, like, man, the game is evolving, things are changing, and I'm in this great position and after my rookie year, I don't have to go do all of that, and I still can kind of be in a great situation where I can get myself situated and be ready for next year to perform and be at optimum level, but I don't have to be exposed to going overseas to be, to, to be dealing with something that might not be the best interest for me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a blessing to be able to do that now because that wasn't always the case for yeah. previous W players. 
Um, and I have a lot of friends who are playing overseas right now. But for me, being able to be here in Atlanta and work in broadcasting in the off season, do all these different things, and then in the spring be able to, you know, I'm working out here. I'm with the dream. We have our facility here. But it's really like who knows what next season is going to take. Yeah. Like I could be overseas next year doing whatnot. So I think it's just kind of the way things have changed in terms of, you know, there's more marketing opportunities, endorsements. There's more opportunities within the W to be able to have them paid for you to do an internship somewhere, figure out what you want to do beyond your basketball career. Yeah. I think it's really special to be a part of that next generation coming into it where I'm able to have all these opportunities here stateside. What's the biggest thing that you're going to work on this offseason for next year? You got an opportunity to play and to watch what was going on in the WNBA, to watch the other players and what's going on. Of course, you want to play more. So what's the, the game plan of, like, what you working on this summer to get more playing time and get to a level? Yeah, being a big point guard, like, I've always okay. been that – one through four player mm -hmm. and so when I was at Sanford I was just the four because that's the lineup that we had but I probably brought up the ball the majority amount of the time but yeah. now being just like purely point guard for the most part it's really working on you know being a bigger guard creating space for myself I'm running the offense big guard ladies and gentlemen for sure for sure so it's like creating space being able to make reads understanding what I can do that smaller point guards can't. So understanding how to get to my spots, how to elevate. Mm -hmm. You know, if I have a mismatch, posting them up, mm -hmm. backing them down, or making different cuts, making different reads, understanding that I have a long wingspan, how to incorporate that defensively. Um, I think all those different types of things. So it's a lot of ball handling. It's a lot of outside shooting because I like to drive to the basket. People know that. Mm -hmm. But it's adding that outside consistency into the arsenal so that now when you do have to chase me over screen, now I get to do what I like to do. I get to create downhill. I get to do all those different things. So I think it's really kind of adding to that big guard bag right now. How so much would you less. say like that improved? Cause like watching you early season to mid season where you not getting a lot of minutes mm -hmm. and you trying to figure things out to like, boom, now you kind of have a footing and know what's coming to you. How much would you say that impacted like you know, your levels of comfort and getting better as the season went on. Oh, for sure. There was a point in the season when both our point guards went out um, with injuries. So all of a sudden, here I am playing 40 minutes. I'm gassed. Like, I got to figure out what to do. Yeah. So I think it was, a lot of it was watching film, I think, helped a lot. But also just, like, having that internal confidence. Because it's like, you get to the league and all of a sudden you're comparing yourself to all these different people. But... For me, it was really having that understanding that I'm also here for a reason and that I have a skill set that nobody else has. So understanding how to make that work the best for me, which ended up helping the team the best way that I could. So I think it was really just like that confidence started to come along. The more minutes you get, you throw a turnover and not getting in your head about it. It's like next rep yeah. because at that point, there wasn't really a sub for me. So I was like, I don't have time yeah. to get in my you're head. Playing, like I need, free. yeah, I need to make the next decision. I need to move past it. What's the difference between WNBA and college? Is, is everybody in the WNBA good? Every position? They mm -hmm. bring something to the table. College, you kind of, yeah, yeah. two of them the good and the rest of them just all right. Yeah, I think it's like in college, there's definitely those cheats you can have on the scout. And, you know, not everybody's an All-American. Not everybody's yeah. this and that. When you get to the league, everybody's been there, done that. <laughs> and so it's like 
there's no shortcuts that you can take. There's no, oh, I'm a cheat off this gap. Everybody can shoot. Everybody can go both ways. It's the scouts are now not like, oh, force her left. Oh, do this net. It's make this shot more difficult. She shoots a high percentage on this side, force her this way. So it's understanding all those different intricacies, I guess. But I think the biggest thing for me was like, when you get to the league, you could be just as skilled as somebody, mm -hmm. but you are not as efficient as they are. Yeah. Like, playing against somebody like Chelsea Gray, she get, she may not be the most athletic person in the league, but she gets to her spots better than anybody else. She creates space like nobody else for that mid-range. So I think it's really just learning to pick up on all those little efficient things that you can do to get to your spots quicker. Yeah. Hey, this is what I want to know. You done had NILs, now you getting that WNBA money. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear about nothing wholesome, Haley. Well, all I do I is wholesome. All I do. Nah, hell <laughs> like, nah. I'm boring. Hell I, nah. I invest. You did something. You got a Louis bag. You got a Gucci. You got something. Let me tell you. I'm God the most boring person. I'm telling you. Like, what did I do with my first check? Not the first check. Just any check. What did you do that you look back like I shouldn't have did it? You ain't, you ain't get no jewelry. You ain't get no bag. You ain't get no shoes. You ain't get no car. What you do? I started investing. What? Damn, I'm sorry. Up. It's my Stanford degree. She is that Stanford I stuff. She's too smart time. for her own good, ladies and gentlemen. She can't even make a little teeny tiny minuscule money mistake and goddamn I mean, she, if I she want, Stanford getting them too situated for yeah, all this. I, think I can't like, even get my question off. <laughs> if Goddamn. I wanted a Louis bag or something, what I do is I save that and I'm like, oh, if it's January, I want a Louis bag. Mm, I can wait till Christmas to ask for that. Like, that'll be my one ask. You don't ask for it for Christmas this year. A vacuum, a cast iron skillet, a Le Creuset little set. Like, I am so boring, but they're all things that I want and need. Now I can cook better, and I've been working on my baking. It's all That's really fun for me. That's what I was just going to ask you. Uh, I heard that you love baking. <laughs> yes. What made you fall in love with baking? My mom. She's the best cook, chef, anything ever. So okay. um, I'm appalled. <laughs> Let me just say it, continue, but I'm appalled right so, now. So, like, she she was one of those people where, like, she just writes down, she doesn't even write down her recipes. And yeah. so during COVID, I really got to sit down with her and, like, write up all of her recipes, create a catalog. And so right, now, <laughs> so now it's like, you know, I get to take her recipes and make them my own. And I just like to freestyle. You know what? You are so disappointed This is officially right now. our little sister. <laughs> We gonna get you a Louis bag or something. Damn that. We owe you that. The Knuckleheads podcast, you let us know. Oh, Darius, coming out of your pocket. You paying for it, but we getting it for you. <laughs> something, oh, goddammit. God. We gonna wrap it up on that, man. This has been big time. I'm so happy. This is officially our little sister, Haley Jones, Knuckleheads, and sometimes I hoop. We in the building. This is all under the family, all under the Players' Tribune umbrella. This is a family affair. We are so thankful you pulled up on us in the ATL. She doing us proud, ladies and gentlemen. She doing what we do for the men's game. She doing for the women's game. And she doing in the exquisite, excellent way. We commend her. We salute you. And we going to keep supporting. Do your thing. Thank you. I want to thank y'all for your continued support of the Knuckleheads Podcast. Be sure to give us two taps by writing a review and rating five stars wherever you get your podcast. And make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. You can also watch all the episodes on the Players' Tribune YouTube page. Follow us on social media at Knuckleheads Podcast. And join our Knuckleheads Facebook group for exclusive content. Thanks again to all of our guests and fans. This wouldn't be possible without y'all.
theplayerstribune.com.